Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. Every person I know seems to struggle with friendship at some point. The women I know who seem to have perfect friendships still sometimes feel alone, hurt, disappointed, and lonely. A lot of the men I know crave deeper friendships and think there must be something wrong with them that they're not really experiencing those. I don't think there's something wrong with us if friendships are difficult. I think that being known by people and developing deep connections with them is messy. Applying the gospel to ourselves and to other people is messy. Forgiving people and learning to trust people again is messy, but it is worth it. My perspective is that of a church planter. Nick and I moved to Charleston 10 years ago with four friends and a dream in our heart. And now, 10 years later, with lots of rejection and betrayal behind us, and probably plenty of pain headed for us in the future, I am living in the first fruits of years of pursuing and pressing in to see healthy friendships. And I can't wait to share the things I've learned along the way about being a good friend and persevering when it gets messy. I'm Jess. I'm so glad you're here. And what we are diving into today is the start of an entire month of talking about friendship. Today, I'm going to share with you my 10 rules of friendship, really what helps me stay healthy and show up for people in a best case scenario world. Next week, we have a special guest that I can't wait to share with you. Then the week after that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about maybe some of the harder parts of friendship. What happens when you perceive it might be time to move on from a friendship? What happens when you have differing views on politics or parenting? What happens when you continually feel left out inside your friend group or outside of your friend group? We're going to talk about a lot of the harder parts and even including how to move on from a friendship, how to handle and grieve and process a friendship breakup. And then at the very end, I'm going to bring my best friend, Nick Connolly, back. And we're going to talk about friendship and marriage, friendship with your spouse. But also, we'll probably touch on a little bit of married people being friends with single people and men being friends with women. We're going to get into all of it. First, some disclaimers. Number one, I have not been a perfect friend Not historically in the past, like 10 years ago, I wasn't a great friend. I haven't been a perfect friend this week. I haven't been a perfect friend this month. But I also want to tell you, I haven't had perfect friends. I've experienced hurt. I've experienced rejection. And I just want to be really honest about that because there's things that it wouldn't be appropriate for me to talk about on this podcast or even on social media. And it might give you the picture that it's all tidy up over here. And it's not, I'm not a perfect friend and I haven't had perfect friends. My second disclaimer is that I don't share any of this specifically, even when I'm going to give you my 10 rules of friendship, I don't 
share any of these with the pride or the insight of having been able to do it all well. I can't do all 10 of these rules well in one single day, but these are guidelines for me that help me show up healthily. And honestly, a lot of them are just heart shifts that help me move forward and move on in friendships when things don't go perfectly. But it's worth noting that when I can't show up as a friend well, I do think the most important thing is to apologize and pivot. I want to share this with love and compassion, but this is my third disclaimer. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. And what I mean by that is if you listen to this podcast and the next and the next and you say like, none of that will work for me or you don't understand, like I can't do X, Y, and Z. If you fight for that limitation in your life, you may get to keep it. But if you go to God and say, hey, maybe this hasn't worked in the past, or maybe I haven't been able to show up in this way in the past, or maybe other people haven't shown up for me in this way in the past, but I do want to try again. I want to encourage you that you might get to live past that limitation if you allow yourself. But once we start to write ceilings over our own lives, I'll always be this way. It will always be this way. They'll always be this way. We get to live under that ceiling. And I don't know about you, but I want to grow past my past ceilings. And here's my fourth disclaimer. You come into listening to this episode and the Lord knows that I do too with a past, with past hurts, with past pain, with a story, with probably many stories about the great sides of friendship and the hard sides of friendship. But I want to encourage you from my voice to yours to not let your past hurt rob your future abundance. God is always doing a million new things in our lives. And I think that if we'll be willing and if we'll go with him and say, hey, I know that this desire that I have for community, for communion, for being known, for knowing other people, for fellowship, I know that this is godly. I believe that you love community and that our triune God functions in relationship, Holy Spirit, God, the Father, Jesus, the Son. I want that too. And I think that if we'll move in with that knowledge that what we crave is healthy and beautiful and we ask God to use it and we fully expect that it will be hard again and that we'll learn from that, I think that we will see some abundance and healing and freedom and beauty in our future. That being said, let's get ready to dig in. All right, let's dig in. I am excited to start today. So what I'm going to share with you is my 10 rules of friendship. These are not expansive. They're not inclusive of every single thing I try to do in friendship or everything I look for in friendship, but it's just where I'm starting today. And again, as a disclaimer, I can't do all these perfectly, but I want to pivot and apologize when I can't do them perfectly. I also want to clarify that as I share, hey, these are my 10 rules for friendship. These are not necessarily rules that I am putting on other people and expecting them to fulfill. These are guidelines for me because I am the one person I can control in a friendship. And I only have dominion and authority over how I show up. So if I'm wanting my friendships to experience abundance, I can spend all my time and all my energy and all my frustration wanting other people to do it better, or I can pay attention to how I show up and how I love well in every relationship. So here are my 10 rules. Number one, this has been the rule of my 30s that I have not heard anyone else talk about in friendship, but I have a feeling it might be applicable to 20s and 40s and 50s and 60s as well. The first rule is I want to encourage you, 
if it feels right for you to be slow to label. I have learned that it is a human and natural inclination to want to label things. It is a human and natural inclination to want to label people as in this person would never be a good friend for me, or this person is probably my kind of girl or my kind of guy, or there is a really human inclination to want to label a friendship right at the beginning of it. Oh, I just have a feeling we're going to be best friends. I have a feeling we're going to be so close. And what I have learned specifically again in my thirties is that number one, the people that I most often think are like my cup of tea and are going to like, oh my gosh, we're going to get along so well. Usually that is rooted in something surface that does not last. It's not a hard and fast truth for me. Sometimes I really think I'm going to connect with someone and I do. But a lot of times if I have a gut like immediate, oh my gosh, I love her. I can't wait to know her better. It's because I don't know yet some of the most beautiful parts of her that are going to help us be connected for the long haul. And I cannot tell you how many times God has corrected me and shown me that women I thought I couldn't get along with, I actually could. Women that I immediately labeled as like, not for me, not, they don't have fun the way I have fun. They don't live the way I live. That God has shown me like, uh, 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 wait, pay attention, be careful because there's something you can learn from her. And there's something that will help you guys connect that you maybe don't even anticipate. But I also want to touch on this piece of not immediately labeling a friendship. Again, for me, this started to really crop up in my 30s. And I noticed that as women specifically were busy and like shuffling lots of different schedules, that a lot of relationships became naming, like it became like, oh, we're going to be friends or like, oh, we're going to be these kind of friends. And Every time I tended to do that, I found myself pretty disappointed. But when I would take a couple steps back and be like, we'll see what God's doing here. Maybe we're going to be best friends. Maybe we are not. But like, we're not going to go to one coffee date and be like, oh my gosh, you and me together forever. (laughs) And to be honest, I think as you hear me talking about that, what we probably both hear is that's a pretty immature tendency. It's like what eight-year-old girls do with bracelets. And what we know about eight-year-old girls is that they don't always develop lifelong friendships. So if you and I want to experience lifelong friendships, I think one thing that might be really healthy for us is to not be too quick to label. Not be quick, too quick to label somebody as our cup of tea, not be too quick to label somebody as not our cup of tea, and not be too quick to label what God is doing. Take a deep breath and watch and see. Number two, we all know this, but it's got to be said. I think it's really healthy to be aware that seasons change. So my number two rule is be aware that seasons change. And for me, this rule most serves me when I look at somebody else's life and I know that as they get married or as they have kids or as they become single again or as they get a new job or as it becomes summer, whatever shifts that are happening in their life, if I will take a deep breath and be a little bit more compassionate and a little bit more gracious with them and my expectations of them, I find that my friendship gets to breathe a little bit better. 
But in the same way, I also think it's really, really healthy to be aware that seasons change in our own lives and our needs and our capacity and what we even crave in friendship changes. And that doesn't mean we're even necessarily growing away from people. It doesn't mean that we're abandoning them. It means that seasons change. And so a lot of this is kind of doing the pre-work of not death gripping a relationship, right? Number one, being slow to label something, but number two, knowing that seasons change. And it's interesting. I'll talk about this in a second, but when I went on social media and said like, hey, what questions do you guys have about friendships? I realized that a lot, a lot, a lot of the questions had to do with seasons changing. This is one of those scenarios where I could try to answer every single one of those questions. What do you do when your friend moves to a different church? What do you do when your friend gets a boyfriend? What do you do when your friend goes back to school and all of a sudden she doesn't have time for you? Now we could get into the weeds of every single one of those questions, or we could take a deep breath and say, you know what? and everybody's life seasons change. And so our needs and the way that we can show up and the way that we have fun and the way that we grow, that's all going to shift. And if we anticipate that and we encourage that in each other's lives, I think we'll feel a lot more healthy. All right, here's my third rule. Quickly ties into my second rule. Be honest about your expectations. Be honest about your expectations. So here is what I am not saying, because again, I want to be slow to label things. I've had a few friendships where really early on in the friendship, I've gone to coffee or had a play date or done something, and we've gotten into a conversation about like, okay, well, what is this going to look like? How are we going to show up for each other? And what I have noticed in those conversations is that we have almost always overpromised instead of waiting and seeing what God is doing. But I do mean that especially in established relationships, especially as your seasons change, and especially as you continue to grow with a friend, it can be really, really, really helpful to be honest about what it is that you're craving or what it is that you're needing. So a lot of questions that I got on social media were things like, what do I do if I feel like my friends aren't supporting me in X, Y, and Z? And the beautiful thing about this answer is that in a normal and healthy friendship, all you do is tell them that. You say, hey, you know what? I maybe haven't been transparent about this. Maybe I haven't been vulnerable enough. I'm really struggling with X, Y, and Z, and I could use your support. That's it. (laughs) Not being angry at them, not getting bitter at them, not being prideful towards them, but just being honest about your expectations and about your needs. That being said, on the flip side of that, I think it's really helpful to not over-promise and not over-expect, but to look at everybody and know that your friends, no matter their season, no matter their life stage, they've got their own issues, they've got their own battles, and they cannot be perfect all of the time in the same way that you can't either. So be honest about what's worked in past relationships. Be honest about what it is you're craving and your expectations in this season, but also know that it is totally okay for you and or your friend to say, I'm not sure I can meet that expectation right now. Here's what I can do. That is such a mature and beautiful way to approach friendship. I've had friends say like, hey, let's talk about what it is that we're craving in our friendships or in our relationships. And I've had a friend say to me before, like, I love just texting. Like I love just texting about our day and checking in with that. And I've had to say really honestly back, 
that is not an expectation I'm going to be able to fulfill for you. My personal relationship with texting is that's not how I use my phone. It's not how I catch up. And I'm so sorry. But the most honest thing I can tell you is I'm not going to be able to like shoot the breeze in in text. You're going to have other friends that can do that. Let me tell you what I can do. I could do like a once a month coffee date where we pour it all out. I can absolutely do that. I can do like an SOS prayer text. I am the girl for that. There are so many ways that I can show up, but I want to be honest about the ways that I can't. I actually one time had a friend say like, hey, I I think we're just kind of missing each other. And if I'm honest, like I had kind of expected that in our friendship, we would like drop by each other's houses. And she was like, you've just never like dropped by my house casually. And I don't know if I can drop by your house casually. And I had to say, I want to be so honest with you to tell you, I'm never going to drop by your house. I have four kids that I run around all day long. I have a full-time job and I lead a church with my husband. I'm not saying my life is more important or that I'm not even saying I'm busy because I don't even like that word. My life is full. I don't even, it doesn't feel frantic or busy. You actually live about 18 minutes away from me on a great day. It's nowhere near anywhere I ever go. Again, unfortunately, I'm going to be the friend that you schedule coffee with three weeks out. Now I'm going to show up to that coffee date and I'm going to show up early and I'm going to show up ready to hear your burdens and to share them. And I'm going to actually pray for you every single day, but I'm probably never going to just drop by your house. And I love that you know that that's what you expect, but it's not what I can deliver in this season. If we can meet in the middle and if I can try to be sometimes casual and spontaneous with you in different ways, I'd love to try. But if not, I totally understand if a friendship with me is not life-giving for you in this season. Being that honest and being that transparent isn't being needy. I loved that she was transparent with me and it gave me the freedom to be honest back with her. Here's my rule number four. It might be my most important. Be quick to apologize. Be quick to apologize. Now in my house, I am known as the stickler about apologizing and I don't love this about myself, but My kids know that I really care about the way they apologize. So I'm going to tell you some of my personal sub rules for apologies and you take them and do what you want with them. My top really like overarching rule about how to apologize is don't do it like women do on reality TV. I personally love reality TV. I think it's a great way to study women. I think it's so interesting. But if you have watched ever any reality TV show ever, you know where I'm going with this. This is how women apologize on reality TV. Number one, they wait until someone tells them they did something wrong. They wait until someone says, you hurt my feelings. What's interesting about this on reality TV is there are cameras. So like, I don't know how you thought you were getting away with that, Sarah. Like we saw you, the whole country saw you gossip about Becca. So I don't actually understand how you thought like nobody was going to notice. But when Becca does come to you and say like, Sarah, oh my gosh, you gossiped about me. Here's what. Sarah does wrong. She will often say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry if that hurt your feelings. That was not my intention. So here's the problem with that. You and I, we are going to hurt people's feelings unintentionally occasionally. It's going to happen. But a lot of times, especially in friendship, if we're being very honest, we meant to hurt people's feelings. Or we knew something we were going to do was going to hurt their feelings and we still did it anyhow. 
And I'm not trying to be hard on you and me, but I am trying to get us to the point where we experience true grace and refreshment and repentance in our relationships. And so again, not every single friendship conflict is going to be like this, but you guys know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about when you've poked fun at a friend and you've done it in just a safe enough way that you can get away with it and say like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention. Don't be sensitive. But actually like you were trying to put her down because you were trying to make yourself feel better. And being the kind of woman who can say, I did that and I'm sorry and I own it. Or being the friend that can say like, you know what? It got back to you that I did tell our other friend that you were struggling with X, Y, and Z and I shouldn't have said it. I should have kept your name safe. Please forgive me. Being the kind of friend who can own those mistakes. Hey, you know what? I knew I should have called you. I knew you were going through a hard time, but I let my bitterness and my frustration and my pride not reach out to you because I was mad and I just wanted to be bitter. Being the kind of woman who can own those things does not make you a bad friend. It actually makes you an incredibly mature and life-giving friend. And here's the thing. When we apologize, not like on reality TV, number one, when we don't wait for someone to come and tell us, you hurt my feelings. You and I almost always know when we've hurt someone's feelings. You know when you've been at a party and you've seen your friend's face fall and she's walked out of the room, don't wait two weeks for her to call you. Even if you don't know why her face fell, but you knew you had something to do with it, pause and say like, hey, something went wrong there. What did I do? Can we talk about it? This is how we apologize, not like women on reality TV, but women who live under the banner of the gospel. Number five, it goes in tandem with be quick to apologize. Be sure to forgive. You can't forget. I know that. I don't want to pretend that you have to. But if someone is repenting toward you, if they are owning what they did wrong and they want to move forward, do not be a post-it note. Do not write that lie over their life that this is who they're always going to be. Let them move on and let them grow and let them change and let them be a new person. You get to live under the banner of the gospel. And I want to give you this incredibly important tip about friendship. Giving people grace actually feels good. It feels good to look at someone and say like, all right, New day. Let's try again. You cannot enter into any friendship, any relationship, assuming that you will be able to trust them because they never do something wrong. My husband and I, we can talk about this in a few weeks when we get into this, but we always say the very first lie you tell is when you, do, when you say your marriage vows. The very first lie is when you say, I will honor, I will respect you, I will love you every day. No, absolutely not. At some point on the honeymoon, you're going to get annoyed because he forgot your fries when he went to go pick up the food and you're going to think, oh my gosh, what a jerk. (laughs) And the honor is going to fly out the window. So the truth is, it's not that we go into relationships trusting people because they never do anything wrong. We actually learn to trust people when we see them make mistakes and they apologize and we move forward. And guess what? That's how they learn to trust us too. I want to give like a tiny asterisk right here about apologizing and asking for forgiveness and giving forgiveness. This could be a whole episode in and of itself, but I want to just encourage you in your friendships to be really careful not to apologize for things that aren't sin. And I want to be really intentional to encourage you not to ask other people to apologize for things that aren't sin. So a lot of times 
what we find ourselves wanting to apologize for is like our personality. But you having a laugh that's a little bit too loud to somebody else, that's not a sin. And you being a little talkative, I mean, don't be selfish, like ask other people how they're doing, but that's not a sin. You having struggles or weaknesses might be a sin issue with you and God, but needing to talk about those things or take up space, that's not a sin. And I want to be really careful because sometimes I think that we exhaust ourselves apologizing for all the things that aren't actually sin, that we don't have the energy to apologize when we do do something wrong. So be really careful not to ask people to apologize for things that aren't actually a sin against you. And also sometimes be really careful. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, actually it's one of my least favorite verses in the Bible, but it's a verse that I've learned a lot from, is the passage where after David has absolutely done the most and the worst, after he's had an affair with Bathsheba, maybe even coercively, after he's killed her husband in war, he goes to God and he says, against you only have I sinned. And I want to tell you something else. If someone in your life in a friendship is really struggling with a sin issue and they're repenting to God and not necessarily to you, that's enough. If they're trying to work it out with God, give them space to work it out with God. It's probably not necessarily about you anyhow. Now, if they're totally unrepentant, that's a different issue and we're gonna get into that in two weeks. But if they're trying to work it out with God and they're trying to process something, give them space and time to let them do that. Here's my rule number six. Some of you are going to love it. Some of you are not going to like it. Be open to other people. So a lot of us are struggling because we have a perception of a friend group that is a tight-knit group of gals or group of guys who do everything together that maybe met in high school or maybe met in college or in their early 20s and they've rolled together for decades and they go on vacation together and they get together every Saturday and their kids do soccer together and then they do all the things and then they grow old together. But in reality, friendships are often a lot more fluid than that. And I just want to tell you that I coach and counsel a lot of the people who are in those types of relationships and they're very lonely and they feel very misunderstood. So I don't know that any of us should be hankering after that exact thing anyhow. But in my experience, the healthiest friendships I've seen are not closed circles. There is something really toxic that comes up when we start saying like, this is it. These are our people, nobody else. Number one, this is not how the kingdom works. It's just not. We have an expansive kingdom family where people get to come and go and learn and grow and move into new circles. And so if you have a tight-knit group and you are saying like, we have no margin for anybody else, it's us, we're ride or die, I want to tell you it's probably not super healthy. You need new ideas. You need new perspectives. You need new voices in your group. I'm not saying that we don't develop tight-knit relationships that we cultivate. We see this in the life of Jesus, that sometimes he's with the 12 and sometimes he's with the three and sometimes he's with the one. I think having smaller circles is beautiful and pulling in and getting close with one another and not sharing all the parts of our life with every single one of our friends. But If you have a tight crew of people where nobody gets to come in and nobody gets to, I don't know, even grow and potentially move in and of the circle, it can often be really unhealthy. 
I want to pause here and give like a whole little side lesson about social media and exclusivity. I want to share with you the rules that work for me and you can take it and or leave it. So the reason why I had to develop this rule is because I'm a local church leader. And what I noticed after a few years is that it was very easy for people to feel excluded when I was being exclusive and I needed to repent. And it was really easy for people to be, to feel excluded when I was just being healthy and normal. And I think that social media plays in to a huge portion of that. So here are my personal social media rules. Take it or leave it however you want. I do not post any friend activity on social media unless I would invite the world. So let me explain. If I'm going to coffee with my best friend, Kristen, which unfortunately does not happen that often because she has a new baby and I have four kids and we both have jobs. But if I was going to go to coffee with her, as much as I would treasure that moment, even if I want to stop and take a selfie for my own self, for my own, I don't know, archives, I'm not going to post that on social media because I'm not going to post something that I wouldn't invite somebody else into. That actually, it might feel good to like share that part of my life and be like, look, this is my life. But it actually has so much more potential damage. It has the potential to do so much more damage than it does to do good. So if I'm going to go to a workout class and I would invite anybody to come with me, or if you came up to me and were like, hey, I want to go to that workout class with you. And I would say like, absolutely. That's something I'll post a picture of. If I'm at a girl's night with three or four friends and we didn't invite three or four other friends or 10 other friends, I'm not posting it on social media. I just love those people too much. And I understand why we couldn't go to dinner with 12 people. And I understand that maybe she has conflict with her and they're working it out. Or I assume that she is already busy anyways. I'm not keeping any of this a secret. I'm not keeping any of it private, but I am saying like, hey, this is just for us. We don't need to make anybody else feel excluded. This has helped me so much. Number one, it's helped me be present when I'm with people. Number two, it's helped people not feel like parts of my life are exclusive. I would just say also, it's helped me be more aware about what spaces I can and will invite other people into so that I know what are the parts of my life where the circle is absolutely not closed. Those are the parts I do want to share and I do want new people coming in. Rule number seven. This is a big one. Be intentional to pursue. Be intentional to pursue. I could kind of talk about this for hours, but I'll give you my spiel about it. Some of you have heard it before. I already told you, Nick and I are church planters. We started Bright City 10 years ago. But if you want to know what church planting is like, honestly, 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 this is what it's like. It's year after year after year of asking people to be friends with you. It's year after year after year of saying, hey, will you come to my thing? Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to try this? Do you want to hop into this? The good news about being someone who continually pursues people is I have to say in my case, it hasn't made me bitter about pursuing people. I have pockets. I have moments where I'm like, man, I wish somebody else would invite me. And that happens. And I deal with my heart when I get there. But for the most part, becoming someone who is intentional to pursue other people has kind of increased my muscle for it. And now it's just natural. I don't sit and wait for people to invite me somewhere. I don't sit and wait for someone to like ask me the right questions. I jump in first and pursue them first. 
if you are a person who feels lonely, I want to encourage you to get in other people's orbits, be willing to get into their rhythms, be willing to get into their schedules, be willing to get into their interests, but also invite them into yours. Now, if you're someone who would say, okay, I've done that or I've tried that or I did invite people and they didn't come, I want to tell you the honest to goodness truth. You have to keep going. You have to keep trying. Again, the good news is the more you do it, the easier it gets. And maybe one out of 10 of those invitations, one out of 10 of those pursuits will truly stick and you'll experience the reciprocation from those friendships. But if you want to develop and cultivate and have healthy relationships, you cannot wait for other people to pursue you. Rule number eight, be willing to be known. So. For me, the after effects of years of pursuing other people is that I found in myself a tendency to not let myself be known. It was easier for me to be the one asking all the questions. It was easier for me to be the one serving and showing up for them. And it was harder for me to talk about my own weaknesses, my own struggles, and my own needs. But for me to experience true health in my relationships, I had to open up. Now, the obvious question right after that is what if you open up? What if you are vulnerable with someone? What if you show them your weaknesses? What if you tell them your needs and they don't handle it well? That's going to happen. And then we get to decide, do I let them try again? Do I give them insight about, oh, I actually needed this? Do I have to adjust my expectations about what it looks like for them to meet my needs? Or is this someone who may never actually be able to show up in my weaknesses and meet my needs. And if then I get to try to be known and be vulnerable with somebody else. But we can't just pursue. We can't just lead. We can't just check in on other people all the time. We often have to let them check in on us. And sometimes that takes teaching people how to do that with you. Sometimes it takes being vulnerable and saying like, hey, you have asked about my marriage or you've asked about my kids or you've asked about my job every single time I've seen you. If I'm being really honest, I need somebody to ask about my depression. I need you to ask about my anxiety. I, I actually need you to ask about my relationship with my mom because that's where I'm struggling. Not me. Mom, I love you. That was using that as an example. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You might have to be really vulnerable and show people where you need pursuit and where you need love. Be willing to be known. Number nine, my number nine rule about friendships is that they've got to be about something bigger. For me, I like my friendships to be kingdom-minded, to be about the growth of others, to be about, I don't know, like seeing and changing the world in some kind of way. I hear from a lot of women who are really unfulfilled in their friendships. And as I ask questions and as I dig into that, I realize that all of their connections and all of their community are based on maybe fun or past memories or similar interests. And I notice that there's not a lot of health and depth to those relationships. And so I want to encourage you to have relationships, especially the people that you're being known with, and especially the people that you're really intentionally pursuing. Let it be about something bigger. I think an interesting kind of side question that I anticipate coming from this is, so does this mean we can only be friends with people who are believers? And I want to just say my perspective on that. 
For me, the people that I'm going to be asking for wisdom in my life, the people that I'm going to be letting speak into my life, I do really want them to have a kingdom perspective. I honestly want them to have a gospel-centered perspective. I want them to have biblical wisdom and insight. I want them to be spirit-filled. But I believe I can still have really healthy and lasting relationships with people who don't follow Jesus, but it still has to be about something bigger than us. And I have to be honest about who I am. I can't in those relationships feel like I have to check my kingdom-mindedness at the door in the same way that I don't want them to feel like they have to check their worldview at the door. So we're going to have to have honest conversations about the way we see things differently. My Tenth and final personal rule of friendship is be willing to go first. A few years ago, I've shared this on social media a couple of times, but a few years ago, I started writing a book on friendship and then I stopped. And I stopped writing the book on friendship because a bunch of my friendships fell apart. And to be honest, I probably learned more in the falling apart than I did in the book potential writing. And so we're going to talk about that again in two weeks about what happens when the friendship goes wrong, what happens when it gets really messy, what happens when it gets really painful. And I'd love to share some of what I've learned in that perspective. But when I was writing the friendship book, I was calling it, my working title was called I'll Go First. Because the number one thing I've learned about friendships is that if I look at the other person and I wait for them to be a good friend first, I may be waiting a really long time. But if I'll show up, if I'll pursue, if I'll be vulnerable, if I'll be known, if I'll go first and I'll commit to consistently going first over and over and over again, I will eventually experience fruit and reciprocity. Now, How do I know that this is a good rule to have? Because it's the way of Jesus. Because at just the right time, while we were still sinners, when we wouldn't have chosen him, he went first. He moved toward us. And when we abandon him and when we forsake him and when we make mistakes and when we reject him and when we pretend like he's not even real and when we ghost him, he still comes toward us. And you and I are made in the image of Jesus, our friend and savior. And so we have the Holy Spirit empowered capacity to go first over and over and over again. And I wouldn't be giving you this 10th rule if I thought it was some kind of masochistic way to live that where we just punish ourselves over and over and over again. I'm giving you this rule of saying my 10th and most important rule is that I'm willing to go first over and over and over again because it does return to me as fruit. Because if you keep going first, you don't go first forever and ever. Culture changes, relationships change. It shifts the way you talk about each other and the way you talk about other people and the way you talk to each other shifts and your desires and your vision and what you're united by shifts and the way you let other people in shifts and the way you're vulnerable and the way people meet your needs, it shifts. And it takes time, but the fruit does come. And that's a biblical principle too that you can count on, that you can trust in. So, Today was episode one, my personal 10 rules of friendship. You don't have to love them all. You don't have to use them all. God knows I can't do them all perfectly. 
Next week, we have a special guest talking about friendship. And then we're going to come back after that. And we're going to talk about the hard and messy parts of friendship. We're going to talk about what to do when it's time for a friendship breakup. We're going to talk about what to do when you've been deeply betrayed. We're going to talk about what to do when all of a sudden their politics become more important than anything else in the world and you don't agree on them. We're going to talk about what to do when you parent differently. We're going to talk about all the hard parts of it. And then we're going to come back together one week after that and talk about men, women, friendship with our spouses, married people and single people, and how we can connect well, all the things in Jesus name. I'm so glad we got to talk today. I am so grateful you're here. I would love to hear your thoughts and I would love to hear your personal rules of friendship. So make sure you DM me, Jess A. Connolly, or reach out to me on my website, jessconnolly.com. Let me pray for us real quick before we sign off. Father, I thank you for coming toward us in friendship first. I thank you that you could have used any word to describe our relationship with Jesus, but you put friend in there. And that he said, listen, I don't call you servants anymore. I call you friends. And I thank you that we've been friended well first by you, that we've been pursued by you, that you have moved toward us with forgiveness and compassion and grace first. I pray that we would soak that up with you, that we would be friended well by you so we can friend other people well. God, I pray that you would give us insight and vision about how we can show up well for others, that we wouldn't just look at everybody else and all the ways that they should be loving us better, but that we would look at how we can, empowered by you and encouraged by your presence and your spirit and your comfort, go be comfort and love and friendship to other people in the name of Jesus. We love you. We bless you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.